Yes. It's good to be with you today. And uh, real quick, before we get started, I want to um, remind you that what Danny has already told you once, next week, our Men on Fire group will be going to Colorado, where we will be hiking not one, but two 14,000-foot mountains. Um, well, some of us will. Others may, like me, not make it. But we have an, an old score with this mountain. This is the same mountain that we hiked two years ago, Challenger Point. And if you remember me talking about it, um, we hiked 24 miles in uh, one day, basically. I can't remember how many hours it was, but we got up in the morning at 6 a.m. and started it, and we got back down at uh, 12 uh a.m. that night, so it kicked my rear end, so I don't know why we're going again, Noah, but uh, not only are we going again to that point, but we're going to add another one to it, but we're going to stretch it out, so pray for us men, not that we would just physically get to the top of the mountain, um, but most importantly, that we would be inspired by God, and that we would uh, be recharged as men to come back home to our families and lead them. Um, Let's pray, and then we'll get started with our scripture. Father God, we are uh, thankful for the word that you have given us, and I ask that your Holy Spirit would uh, be with us now as we dive into it, help us to apply it to our lives and our families and our communities. We trust you, Lord, and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So, uh, speaking of men, let's uh, shift a little bit and talk about women. Have you ever heard the old-fashioned saying, a woman needs a man? Have you ever heard one say, I think there's even a song, but I won't, I won't sing it. Maybe you've seen some of the old movies, the old classics, and maybe you've heard stories just about how back in the old days, a woman didn't seem to have much place in the community unless she had a man, unless she was married. A woman needs a man. Now, while I don't think there's anything wrong with that statement, the reason that I bring it up to you is because I want to point out that it's backwards from what Scripture says. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, Then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. In other words, a man needs a woman. Kind of backwards from the thing that we've always thought. And this was way, way before we ever got the idea that a woman needed a man. Now let's go to Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 11. It says, but among the Lord's people, women are not independent of men, and men are not independent of women. For although the first woman came from man, every other man was born from a woman, and everything, everything comes from God. From this text here, a man needs a woman, and quite clearly, Every other man was born from a woman. You can't have other men other than Adam without a woman. Now, understand the generalization here. Paul and Jesus and 
uh, plenty of other uh, men in the scripture lived and fulfilled God's will without having a woman, without being married. But in general, God could tell that having only a man in charge of everything wouldn't work. Man needed someone to help him. You know, man also needed a reason to grow up. Uh, maybe you've seen that in, in your past. Uh, you know this particular one young man, and he's, he's uh, maybe 18 or 19, and he's just um, running around like he doesn't know what he's doing, and he's causing um, problems in everybody's life. And you think, man, will that kid ever settle down? There's no hope for him. And then he gets married, or he has kids, and he straightens up. Have you ever seen that? You're like, wow, I didn't know that fella could be tamed. You know, I think God knows that a young man needs a reason to become mature, a reason to grow up. God knew that man wasn't good alone. So first, he made the animals. Scripture says that he made them, and, and, and he gave the animals to, to Adam so that Adam could name them. And uh, perhaps, you know, just maybe Adam had a bird, and he liked the bird that God gave him, named it bird, and it was a pretty cool pet. And, and, and then, well, maybe the horse, and I don't know this for sure, because our scripture doesn't tell us, maybe Adam had a horse. We have horses here, some of us, and we like our horses. Horses can be a, a pretty good friend, but actually the dog, the dog's man's best friend, right? So this is the dog. Uh, the dog was uh, the one that was there to um, help him out and always um, with him. But still, none of the animals fit the bill perfectly. Had to be a being that was same as man, but different. Had to be someone who's uh, with the same kind but different gearing with uh, different programming, but the same kind. So, how do all big, major, important surgeries start? You know, someone gets put to sleep by the doctor. The doctor puts you to sleep. So, God put Adam to sleep. He's the first physician that came up with that. And he put Adam to sleep, and he, and, and he reached down to get part of Adam's side. We call it a rib. Some scriptures say that God pulled out his rib, and with that rib, he made woman. So God made a woman for Adam. And Adam was excited, he said in Genesis chapter 2, verse 23, at last, this one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken from man. Adam was happy with Eve. He was happy, although he probably, he probably did complain a little bit. Us, us men, sometimes we complain. And so Adam probably walked around, oh, she's such a pain in my side. <laughs> but I, husbands, if you complain saying your wives are a pain in your side, it probably is biblically correct, but 
Don't do it where your wife can hear you. Save it for a men on fire trip on the side of a mountain. Adam overall was happy with Eve. But you know what the very next thing is that we read about in Scripture? The very next thing we see is sin. Their happily ever after it didn't last very long because the devil. The devil came into the picture and he started testing. He started prodding and poking. He tried to get at God's creation. That's what the devil does. He said, boy, God created something that's good, and, and, and I'll pay him back by getting to his creation for casting me down out of heaven. And so, boy, did he try. And uh, to an extent, he was uh, somewhat successful. He kept prodding and poking until he found a weak spot. You know what the weak spot was? We're in the garden where there was Adam and Eve, just Adam and Eve, and here's the devil. He's trying to get to them. What's the weak spot? You know, some people would say the woman was the weak spot. It was Eve. And so devil, the devil found the weak spot. And they might say because of what the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, they might say this, uh, in the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives and treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker, may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should so your prayers will not be hindered. This verse is used to say that uh, women are weak. The scripture mentions that they may be weaker than men, but you know maybe that's physical, or maybe it's mental, or maybe it's spiritual. It could be. But here's the key words. Equal partner in God's gift of new life. So we need to look at a few things here. New life, God's gift, equal partner. Oh, 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 and check out this. Treat her as you should. The scripture mentions that the woman may be weaker, but... It says that we, as men, must treat her as we should. And if we don't, our very relationship with our Creator could suffer. So let's go back to the devil prowling around trying to find a weak spot in the garden. He's trying to get at Adam and Eve, and here he is. And you know where the weak spot was? It was Adam. Because Adam wasn't treating his partner in new life like this scripture says. He wasn't treating his partner in new life as he should have been. How's have Adam been treating Eve? Well, he should have been watching out for her. He should have 
been present in every part of her life. He should have stood up to the devil when the devil tricked her into eating the fruit that God told them not to eat. So now, humankind has sin. And God told the woman, Genesis 3, 16, I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy, and in pain you will give birth, and you will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. <laughs> what a discipline or a consequence. I don't know what the correct term here theologically would be. Uh, discipline, consequence, whatever. The, the woman is to desire to control the husband. The woman has that desire. But the husband has to rule over the woman. That, that's, that just is not easy. That's not something to get excited about. Now, this is where our scripture from 1 Timothy uh, comes in. By the way, we're going through the book of 1 Timothy that Paul wrote to Timothy for, uh, for governing, or governing is a bad word, for guiding the new church, the first church. Um, in, uh, so here this letter is, and he's, he's telling him what to do. And we're going through a series of serious living. So we're going through every single scripture in the book of 1 Timothy. That's why I'm preaching on these verses. So 1 Timothy uh, chapter Two. Uh, by the way, this is, comes right after the text where Paul is telling them how they should conduct their lives in a place of worship, like where we are gathering right here. So 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 11 says, Women should learn quietly and submissively. I do not let women teach men or have authority over them. Let them listen quietly, for God made Adam first, and afterward he made Eve. And it was not Adam who was deceived by Satan. The woman was deceived, and sin was the result. But woman will be saved through childbearing, assuming they continue to live in faith, love, holiness, and modesty. We can actually plug Genesis right into this scripture. It plugs right into this New Testament text, because Adam didn't care for his woman the way he should have, she was deceived. And therefore, now she has the desire to control man, but she must learn to live quietly and submissively. Now, considering our text here, uh, it would seem that evidently there's a fair amount of strong-willed women in the first century church that Paul is writing about. Uh, just before this, he writes about how they're trying to get attention by doing their hair and their clothes. And now we get the idea that they are wanting to take over the church by just uh, creating a lot of chaos, talking, and, and, and we just get that idea. And Paul says no. And it's not that women couldn't do a good job at having authority over the church. By the way, there are plenty of great examples in the New Testament scripture of women in ministry. Uh, in the New Testament church, uh, women prayed and uh, they led hymns. 
and they interpreted scripture and they gave prophecy. Remember Anna who prophesied about Jesus after, after she'd seen the baby Jesus? And um, women withstood persecution. Oh, they were strong. They were strong. Can you imagine being Mary, the mother of Jesus? Can you imagine that? She had to be so strong. I mean, David had his 10,000. David killed his 10,000. He had to be tough, but man, Mary had to watch her son be put on a cross <clears throat> for the rest of the world. Oh, I'm a big fan of Joshua. Joshua is one of my favorite guys in Scripture. I like Daniel. I like David. All of them really strong guys. A man's man, you know. But honestly, compared to Mary, mother of Jesus, they don't hold a candle to her. Two of my favorite heroes in Scripture are actually women in the Old Testament text. When the Hebrews were starting to uh, outnumber the Egyptians in Egypt, Pharaoh decided uh, that he had to do something about it because he was worried that the Hebrews would take over Egypt and there wouldn't be no room for the Egyptians anymore. The Hebrews would take power. And so he went to the Hebrew midwives. And their names, by the way, are Shipra and Puah. And he went to them he said, hey, here's, here's what I want you to do. Here's what you have to do when the Hebrew women have babies. You just do away with them. All right, you know what I mean? And he tells them this. Man, you know, we see that today in our culture. That happens. And these two ladies, man, they're so strong. Because did they do what Pharaoh told them to do? No, sir. They did not. They didn't do anything to cause harm to them little babies. Uh, they let them grow. And the Hebrews, they grew in number because God will, God's will will be done. And when uh, Pharaoh called these two midwives the nurses to talk to him and says, what's going on? The, the Hebrews are gaining in number and, and they seem to be doing better than ever. Why are you, aren't you doing something about it? And you know what the midwives said? They, they're, they're quick on their feet and they're strong and they're courageous and God tells them what to do, not Pharaoh. And they said, Pharaoh, the uh, Hebrews, man, they're so tough. They're so strong, they're just vigorous, and they just they, they have the babies before we can get there. Basically, they said to Pharaoh, listen, Pharaoh, we'll do what God tells us to do, not what you tell us to do. So those are just two of my favorite heroes out of Scripture, and they're women. Man, women are strong. It's, it's, it's not that women couldn't do a good job having authority over the church, it's just that way back in the beginning, Adam and Eve sinned and the order of authority was set. Because of that, men 
have to lead their families. And that includes their wives. Men have to lead their wives. And that's scary. It's scary for women. Hey, there's a whole lot of men out there that I would never follow. <clears throat> a whole lot of husbands. I, I, I'd hate to be married to a guy that, that I wouldn't want to follow. And it's scary for men. You have to lead. You have to make good decisions. Every bad decision you make, the people around you are affected by. And your wife is going to probably suffer from your bad decisions the most. Every time you go through a big mud hole, you're dragging your family right through it. We go through some mud holes. Now, I don't want you to worry too much because God has a plan for us. All we have to do is follow him. And you've heard this before, but you can't be a leader unless you know how to follow. Every time my, my wife and I take kids hiking, um, whether, it's, whether it's our own kids or, or the youth group, um, inevitably, you know, we have to, one of us has to be in the middle and one of us has to be at the back. Because inevitably, the, the front kid will get excited and start walking too fast and forget that they have a whole line of uh, people behind them. And at the back side of the, of the hiking trail, um, you know, somebody will, will have to bend over and tie their shoe, and uh, the front half don't even know that we stopped. And so you end up having to holler at them to get them to stop so we can catch up. It, it, it just happens that way. And the plan that Jesus has for us is to follow that, that creates space if you are not watching who you are leading. Once you learn to follow, you learn that the best way and the best place to lead is putting others first. You know what I mean? Let's read some scripture about this. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. How about one from Romans chapter 12, verse 10? Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Don't be concerned for your own good, but for the good of others. And here's a good one. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8, especially for us men. But those who won't care for their relatives, especially those in their own household, have denied the true faith. Such people are worse than unbelievers. Yikes. This scripture from 1 Timothy on how we should live our lives, it's, it's harsh, but it's calling us to a high standard. Now, I want to I review this. It's, if, if, if we are men, then these verses tell us that we need to be humble and think of our families okay, before ourselves, to look for their interests. These scriptures are telling us, men, 
to love our families and take delight in honoring them, to be concerned for their good above our good and to care for them, to uh, support them, care for all of their needs. As you do that, it'll be easier for your wife to submit to your authority. Men, I'm calling you to these verses. And wives, you've got to build up your man. I can't tell you exactly how to do that, but a good start might to be might be to listen to them quietly. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, 33, this is probably the most important thing that we need to remember is to seek the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously and he'll give you everything you need. Seek the kingdom of God in our relationships, in, in our singleness, in everyday life. We need to seek the kingdom of God above all else. God wants us in our marriages, in our churches, in our communities. He wants us to follow Jesus. Sin is a big old terrible mud hole that the devil wants you to get stuck in. Men, don't go through it and don't drag your family through it. If you follow Jesus, he'll steer you clear of the mud. Maybe you're in the mud right now. Maybe you've just come out of some mud. Following Jesus will get you unstuck and it'll get you cleaned off. The answer is Jesus. Women, maybe you struggle with being submissive. Maybe that's because uh, your man isn't following Jesus, or maybe that's because uh, you're giving in to your desire to control and you're trying to run the show. The answer is in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. But women will be saved through childbearing, assuming they continue to live in faith, love, holiness and modesty. The answer is right here, have babies. You can laugh at that. Um, we see uh, mothers with lots of kids, you know, and saying, oh, bless their hearts. That mom with six kids, seven kids is, is so kind and generous and loving. And No, that's not the case. The woman has enough sin in her life that she needs to have a lot of babies. She's read this verse. <laughs> We're saved through childbearing. That's how women are saved. And, and, and you know, th that's funny, but uh, if we look at Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, we'll see the truth in that. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15 says, And I will cause hostility between you and the woman. God is talking to the devil here. And between your offspring and her offspring, offspring, that's, that's a baby right there, that's babies. He will, he will, meaning the offspring, the babies that, that, that came down to finally down the line to Jesus, talking about Jesus, he will strike your head, and remember he's talking about the devil, you, devil, will strike his heel. This is, this is the first scripture that preaches the gospel message and uh, God tells Eve after the sin happened that 
she will be saved through childbirth, through bearing children, and that leads us straight to the answer, and it's Jesus. Jesus, born from Mary and God. The devil, he got Adam, he got at Adam, and the devil, he gets at us sometimes. The devil gets at you. Sometimes he gets at me. And he got at Jesus, too. But he didn't get Jesus. Jesus won. Jesus had victory over the devil. And that's why we put our faith in him. Because death couldn't hold our Savior down. And it doesn't have to hold us down if we put our faith in Jesus. Mark chapter 16, verse 15 and 16. And he told them, go into the, all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will say. That's what Jesus tells his disciples. To go into all the world and preach the good news, the gospel of how if you put your faith in Jesus, you'll be saved from that mud hole. You'll be saved from the sin that started in the garden that you can not worry about it anymore because he gives us salvation. And so what do the, the disciples do? The disciples uh, kick in gear and they do what Peter talks about in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. He says, each of you must repent of your sins. This is preaching the gospel, by the way. Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins and then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit then you will receive that gift oh so today folks today folks I, I am I'm so very excited to uh, let you know that we're going to experience the decision of following Jesus firsthand. Because we have some baptisms that are going to happen today. So we have uh, two folks that have chosen to give their life to Christ. Let me tell you what that means. That means that uh, we understand that we can't do it alone. We can't uh, navigate this life and uh, end up at the finish line being heaven by ourselves. And so we simply put our faith in Jesus. And then we start a life living for Christ. And that can be difficult. And that's why we as a body, the body of Christ, need to pray for all of our members, for all of our believers, especially the new ones, that they may be strengthened by the Spirit. So today we get to experience this. And um, I want to uh, I, I want to take this moment uh, real quick to, to ask a uh, uh, Zach and Michaela to come up in front of us here. And I've, I've been <clears throat> I've been preaching about uh, about women and uh, and men and our roles and and it's kind of neat that we have two uh, folks right here that came to worship with us uh, last last Sunday and I've met with them this week and we've talked about about Jesus and about His plan of salvation to us and um, the Lord has put it on their hearts to come to us and to uh, seek after his plan of salvation for them. And so they've decided to follow Jesus. And um, I want to uh, give you a chance. Do you guys have anything to, to say to them? I, I, you don't have to. I'm putting you on the spot here. But uh, uh, okay. 
All right, so um, what we're going to do right now is I'm going to pray for you, and then you guys are going to sing a worship song, and I want you to be worshiping Jesus like never before, and you're going to be praying for these two to start their walk with Christ, which you've been learning about Jesus through your life. You, you kind of grew up in churches and everything, so it's not, it's not brand new to you, but you are, are taking that step forward. So, and we'll go back and get ready. Um, actually, uh, I will take uh, Michaela back first, and, and then I'll call you back. So. Do you need to get something? Yeah, he needs okay. his ears plugged. Okay. Got it. We'll get that in just a minute, all right? So let me pray for you guys. Uh, join with me. Uh, Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for Zach and Michaela and uh, their decision to uh, give their lives to you, Jesus. And I pray that you will strengthen them with all the strength that you can give, God. You've won the victory, and uh, here you are now active in our lives. I pray that they will be able to be experiencing your Holy Spirit, Lord. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. All right. You both of you can come back for a second. Yeah, you bet. We can figure it out. Um, so, uh, do you need to 